Hello and welcome to the Chronic Living Podcast, your need-to-know source for living with a chronic illness or disability. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and I'll be sharing my experiences living with a chronic illness, as well as inviting others on to share their stories. So join me in shining a light on the world that is chronic living. All right, guys, thank you for joining me for another episode of Chronic Living. Today, I am joined by Marcy, and she's going to share some of her experiences being part of the chronic community. Thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you so much for having me on your show. All right, so let's start with telling us a little bit about yourself. I guess how old you are, what you've been diagnosed with, and what those diagnoses mean for somebody that's not been exposed to them. Absolutely. Well, I'm Marcy. I'm 36. I'm from Australia, which maybe people can hear from my accent. And I have had many uh, like chronic conditions through my life, but currently I suffer from fibromyalgia. And that is, I guess, the easiest way to define fibromyalgia is chronic pain fatigue. Uh, with a whole bunch of other weird and wacky symptoms. But I also have had uh, and still have polycystic ovarian syndrome, which has its own issues, but that's basically cysts on the ovaries, which play with hormones and causes like infertility and all sorts of fun things. And uh, yeah, previously I had because you know my body loves me so much it's like let's keep having problems through your life uh i've previously had uh cushing's syndrome which took quite a long time to diagnose and i eventually found out i had a rarer condition of it which is again it's a hormone overproduction of hormones and i had surgery and they told me i'd be better in two weeks and i'm still feeling the effects of it today and that was like I had my surgery in 2006 so you'll be yeah. you'll be fine right this is a yeah. couple of weeks walk it off you'll be good yeah um i was on like uh, yeah i was on hormone replacement which i was only meant to be on for like a week or so i was on those for almost three years so yeah <laughs> two weeks two decades you know it's yeah. same thing right yeah and dealing with all of these uh things all at the same time all together it's um it's a lot of fun not really but i'm still here so i've I've done something right i think maybe hey that's the important (laughs) part learning from it and doing something with it yeah i think yeah i think it's like learning almost every day well you have about something yeah it's (laughs) it's crazy and uh you know, I know that say something like if I say I have fibromyalgia, a lot of the times nobody has any idea what that is. So I kind of went from this long, like half an hour explanation of what it is to like, it's chronic pain and fatigue. There's no actual cure. We don't know all that much about it. I don't know why I have it. I've probably had it since I was like 13. Um, and that's my life. <laughs> that's my condensed version. I'm broken and they don't know how to fix it. Yeah. Welcome to chronic pretty, living. Yes. Which I'm sure is relatable to a lot of people, even if the conditions are completely different. Yep. Well, and that's, that's something we, you know, I, I say it a lot on the podcast. I think 
regardless if you have a chronic illness, a disability, you know, you deal with mental health issues or even a terminal illness, mm. we all deal with 70 to 80% of the same stuff. Yeah. You know, it affecting our work life or social life, how we talk to and interact with doctors, our medications, maybe not for those of you in Australia, but those of us in the US, how it affects mm. us financially. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's lovely still, healthcare system. it still um, does, um, to an extent, like, yeah, I'll be able to get certain amount of care without, you know, going out of pocket. But when it get, comes to like, seeing a specialist or getting specialty care, it may or may not be covered, it may be partially covered. Okay. So if you're in a position where you're unable to work, you don't get much in terms of money when you need to go see those specialists. It's like, how am I going to pay for this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, try to talk about it a lot. Cause you know, we all, we might not deal with exactly the same thing, mm. but we understand a lot of those same experiences because we all mm. deal with a lot of it. Um, yeah. That's, and that's part of why, you know, I started the podcast was to kind of bring everybody together for that 70 to 80% to kind of spread awareness around it. You yes. know, how we interact with other people, how medications affect us, how it financially affects us, how challenging doctors can be at times. Mm. Um, and it's important to kind of have that conversation. A lot of yeah. people don't realize it, that, you know, especially for those of us that have invisible disabilities where we look perfectly functional. Mm-hmm. yet on the inside we just you know want to sleep all day yeah and um the most infuriating thing someone can say is you don't look sick or unwell and it's like i want to punch your face in this is not this is why it's invisible you can't visibly see it on me but my face looks like i haven't slept for two years and you're telling me i don't look i I look fine like what's wrong with you (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, you look fine yeah okay (laughs) Yeah, sure. I wish it was that simple. Like, yeah. If only it was. Can I get that as a diagnosis? Like, well, he says I look fine, so it must be good. No more colitis. Yeah. It's just gone. Yeah, it just magically disappears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's... Well, you look fine. Well, you look smart, but clearly you just yeah. proved that wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. The, yeah. The, pretty much <laughs> the you look fine in the have you tried yeah no i it drives me nuts and i'll have people sending me the same like weird article from like some weird website from five years ago and i'm like no just no go away <laughs> i don't need that yeah it's always fun <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, the phrases that drive us crazy yeah and it's like it's so universal to everybody it's it's one of it's one of the fun fun things to at least engage with others who obviously have chronic conditions disabilities and it's like oh don't you love it when someone says this and like oh my god like just like have you tried like (laughs) look i don't have the mental capacity today to explain why that does does not work like no go away (laughs) yeah that's that's the response the the best way i can kind of describe why that's like the worst thing you can do or at least the most annoying thing you can do it's that nobody knows and i'll use myself in ex- as an example nobody knows my body better than me mm-hmm. i have looked at every possible angle for my condition what you're sending me is something i would have researched and dismissed as being not for me in particular 
So it's almost an insult to think that I, I don't research or know about my own condition and that your two minute Google search is somehow going to enlighten me to this, which it's not. <laughs> and that's, I think, the best way I can describe it without being too rude about it, I think. <laughs> that may have sounded rude. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> they'll be all right. Um, if, if their feelings being heard about not being listened to when it comes to chronic illness when they're perfectly functional it'll be all right mm -hmm. yeah um no at, at the end of the day like <clears throat> you know i've had my condition for 10 years personally you really think that in 10 years whatever you saw on facebook in two seconds right. is going to just magically fix me like Oh, no, it, do, it do is. You, it, it totally will. Do you think I'm that, like, do you really think I'm that stupid in general that I wouldn't have tried, like, looking these things up that if you magically found it on Facebook, it's just going to fix everything? Like, what? If yeah, you found it's... it on Facebook in five minutes, why are so, you know, like, <laughs> this this disease would have been cured forever ago. Yeah, it's it's almost, not almost, but it's completely insulting. <laughs> is I real? Like you didn't know what my condition was two minutes ago, but now you're an expert. That doesn't work. <laughs> well, I heard about this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I've heard the same thing from like 20 other people that know nothing what they're talking about too. And yet here uh, we are. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh. thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that input. <laughs> oh my. It's, um, I was so dying. I was dying for that input. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah, you're cured because of this Google article or this whatever. Yeah, cool. Thanks. <laughs> it's um, yeah, yeah I, I, I look, it's I get that people mean well and they want to help. And I get that because I'm the same. I want to help. Um, you know, I, I tend to put myself last and I'm just like, no, I need to help everybody. People there's, need help. Let's do this. And there's a way like, that have you tried this works. It's from mm. the community from other people that have the exact same thing mm. Mm. because that's coming from experience and that's coming from knowledge mm. Mm. that's acceptable like yeah i'm in the colitis group and you know I'll, I'll say that a lot like hey have you tried this kind of a diet it's mm. worked really well for me have you asked your doctor about this like and that's from personal experience hey you know i talked to my mm. doctor about this it's worked really well for me that's mm. okay to do yeah, that's somewhat different. And yeah. it's like, you that's know, that's what the if, groups if, are for. Like, yeah, essentially, it's so you can feel like you're supported and people know. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like, you know, I have this need to want to, to help people, but I'm not going to overstep those bounds and be like, oh, you have a condition I don't know anything about. Have you tried this? Yeah. It's more like, what can I do to help you and make you more comfortable? That's all I would want. It's be like, oh, you can get me an extra pillow or you can get me a glass of water. That That's way more acceptable than have you tried this weird thing that I found on Google that apparently works? Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I mean, and then, and, you know, we have the support groups for that. Like, you know, I'm in the Crohn's and colitis. There's quite a few groups. I'm in a lot of them. And you get the, the people that are new to the diagnosis all the time. Mm. Like, hey, you know, I'm new to it. I don't know. My doctor's telling me mm. this or I'm trying this and it's not working. Who's got, mm. you know, some advice. 
that's okay. That's acceptable mm. because it's coming from the, generally the more experienced people in the group mm. and have actual exactly. knowledge behind the response. Like, hey, you know what? Yeah. I did this. It worked really well for me. Ask your doctor about this. It might help. Here was mm. my experience. Here's what I did. Here's how it worked for me. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's um, it's very different. And uh, that's pretty much why like groups and support groups like this exist. At the end of the day, it's so people with these or what whichever, you know, things that we have in our lives, we don't feel so alone. It's like, oh, okay, other people have this and it, I can relate to this and such and such. But um, as I mentioned to you before, uh, we started recording, I kind of left all of those uh, fibromyalgia support groups as it just got to a point where it was so negative for me and it wasn't helping my mental state at the time either and I haven't um I haven't sought to go back to them either and it it was just to a point where you know I I would say look my mum found this thing and I'm like I've tried it and you know I don't feel too bad or too different but has anyone tried this and then it's all the negatives like oh what a scam oh this is so stupid how could you post about this and it's like what happened to people being supportive of each other it's just so completely negative and it was really getting to me and then you know other people would be like oh has anyone tried this kind of yoga and then people are like oh no don't ever do that and they're like oh okay thanks for telling me that I won't do it and it's like why would you listen to some one person's opinion and they're being so negative about it yeah and it was getting to me so much I'm like I don't know if it's specifically just with these groups with the condition that we're just always in pain and so negative all the time or what the heck was happening but it was like I, I can't have this kind of negativity but and I can see like not everything's going to be like that and not every group is going to be so negative but for me personally it just became a source of massive negativity and I honestly think I'm the last maybe you know almost two years that we've been living in very different times I think if I was still in those groups it would have really um just not been the outlet I needed so I know it's a very maybe a very different view but they were just so negative that it, it just really brought me down and I couldn't do it anymore yeah yeah you'll get those you'll get those people in the group that are in the group and should be learning and not yeah. talking yeah. but that they're not at that point where they're they're in a mental state to be helpful yeah and it's um, so difficult it's like I can't my life is negative enough I don't need it <laughs> from a community that I want to embrace and I'm like I'm not I'm gonna hate it if I don't leave and that's not what I wanted so I'm like no I, it's just better for me to leave and yeah I feel so much better from having done that because it just didn't feel like such a negative thing for me anymore and I know my experience is you know unique to me um but I hope other you know groups and support groups don't have that effect I want them to have the opposite effect and be very positive and 
helpful. Yeah, and I find most of the um, most of the colitis groups are pretty good about it, um, and they're they're monitored pretty well. Some of the mental health ones, I mean, get a little questionable at times, but yeah, and it's it's hard because some of them like may seem good and helpful, but then you realize they're not really moderated. Yeah. And a lot of really bad stuff um, comes through. And I think that was probably part of the issue was they maybe didn't have um, active admins for the groups or something. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was just, it was just too much, really. Yeah, unfortunately, some of the groups have that, uh, that negative presence, which mm. <clears throat> I think needs to be, well, some of the groups that needs to be monitored more because I think it can push yeah. some of the new people to that support that need that support mm. kind of a way. Yeah, and it, it just, it kind of became very off-putting, whereas at the start, it wasn't always like that. And I don't know what changed if there was more people or people were just, I don't know, maybe just couldn't deal with it anymore or just so negative they just felt like being negative it's really hard to say but i wouldn't discourage anyone from looking for a support group or starting their own but um it would just be make sure there's like good monitoring in there at least Mm -hmm. and um you know my personal advice is don't focus on on those negatives and the negative attitudes because it can really bring you down and we already feel probably a lot of the time in a very negative mindset. And I don't think it needs to be fed any more than it is. So that's just, that was no, just my, no. my own personal experience. And uh, I know it sounds really like negative and bad, but it's, it's not always like that. Once, I mean, it's funny, funny that you say like talking about this on the uh, last episode I just recorded. The last thing you need is other people telling you negative things about what Mm. you're dealing with Mm. because I'm pretty sure most of us can agree we've had plenty of our own negative thoughts we don't need other people Mm. contributing to them yeah yeah nothing somebody's going to tell me about what I'm dealing with is worse Mm. than what I've told myself yeah and I feel like that's true for most people so when you get those negative people you just stay away from them Mm, it's really time to avoid the negativity and uh, it seems to be even more difficult today than it was say two years ago but we're dealing with an unprecedented event uh, at the you know for the last 20 months or whatever it's been I don't I've lost track of time and um, yeah one thing I've I've learned too and uh where I am in Australia, I'm in Melbourne, Victoria, and we, since the start of the pandemic, uh, we've done over 200 days in a lockdown, like combined. So it wasn't all at once, but a good portion of that was all at once. And we are now back in lockdown and we've gone over 200 days that we've been in a lockdown. And that's over a year and a half. And while I may be a homebody, and part of that is because of my condition, um, I've just, yeah, I've just found like, 
my mental health, obviously, like everyone is suffering, but the physical aspect of my condition is like, I really don't have access to anything. I can't get, you know, massage therapy, waiting lists are ridiculous for anything because, you know, they can't see as many people. And it's like, every time we're back in a lockdown, my condition just flares up to ridiculous extremes. And, you know, there, there were, there were, I've had flare ups where I felt like, all right, I've got this, I can handle this. This is, especially, I guess, in the last few weeks, it has been to a point where I am like, I didn't think it could get this bad, but it is this bad. And I'm surprised I am not in bed 20 hours a day. I am making myself get out of bed. And it has been so difficult and not having anything to be like, okay, I can go get a massage because my muscles are aching so bad. They need that tension relief. It's can't do any of this stuff. And it's, it's so ridiculous. And, um, and I'm not trying to say like, you know, Oh, poor me, this is so terrible just for me. Like we have millions of people that are in lockdown in this country and everyone has a different situation. It affects everybody very differently, but also very much the same. But I just think that those who have a disability are very much the underheard voices in this whole pandemic. Just, just my two cents anyway. Yep. No, I mean, and I mean, we, we talked about that a little bit and Mm we're already a lot of us are already technically isolated mm. even in the day-to-day life just because of our experiences because of how people view what we're dealing with and yeah you know we limit the people around us based on i guess the energy they put out and yeah their ability to understand i'm gonna put it nicely yeah oh <laughs> their IQ level when it comes to, you know, somebody else dealing with something outside of their realm Mm. of understanding. Um, So when you, when you throw, you know, the pandemic into it, you're taking an already limited group of people and putting a ton of extra limits on them. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I was in, I was at home for like eight months straight, I think. Yeah, it was rough uh, seven or eight months straight. And I would go once a week to get groceries. That was it. Mm. And I'm not a super social person. I'm not a social butterfly, even though I run a podcast. <laughs> um, I didn't realize how much socializing you get done at just work. Yeah. Just going, it's... you know, going to your nine to five, working. Yeah. The amount of socializing you do, let alone you know, going out just to get out of the house in general. And mm. You know, I'm a big gamer personally. Gaming gets really old after you play yeah. the same game for eight months straight. Like you start, yeah. to, the things you enjoy doing in your free time start to become like, mm-hmm. like it's pointless. Yeah, it it does, and it sucks the fun out of it. Yeah, and like, yeah, I mean, I've had obviously this combined like over two hundred days in a lockdown, but I was not going anywhere really, unless it was the shop. 
Yep. And even when we sort of had the few good months where we weren't having cases and stuff, I did not go out all that much. And there was still kind of this fear of everything, but also my mental state and my physical state were not there to be doing that. And, um, you know, it, it was, and I have more to talk about the pandemic stuff soon. Um, but it's like, I know my immunity is not going to be great, especially being inside all the time. And it's to a point where I'm so terrified of catching anything. Um, it just, it really, it, it does your head in quite, quite a lot. And it, it is difficult. It is probably some of the most difficult times I think a lot of us have really had to face in these past, I guess, almost two years now will be, um, which is crazy to think about, but, yeah, there it is. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, and it's um, I guess like personally because uh, maybe about ten ish years ago, I'm probably getting my timelines wrong because I just I've lost track of all time and everything. But um, I suffered agoraphobia really, really badly, and it was like almost a self-imposed lockdown where I did not leave the house at all. I barely saw anyone. Um, if I absolutely had to leave the house, it was like panic attacks. It was so difficult and it took a while for me to, you know, uh, get out of those feelings and that fear. And it's been my fear of that coming back, being at home so much as well. Yep. And uh, a lot of the, the physical health stuff just fed into um, that mental uh, fear of leaving the house, the outside world. And it, it would not surprise me if, you know, people are going to experience some form of like a, agoraphobia that they've never experienced before. They don't know what it is because we've been so isolated for so long. But that was kind of a little tangent there. Well, and, and not only that, one thing that, you know, people kind of need to take into account is a lot of people going into this pandemic are newly diagnosed. Mm. They're newly diagnosed with a disease that they've never had yeah. before that they have to adapt to. And now on top of it, because they're newly diagnosed, now you have to stay at home because you're high risk. Mm. So you have this massive change getting thrown at you. Oh, and by the way, because you're newly diagnosed, you're on all these medications that make you high risk, you should really stay away and yeah. stay inside. I know the disease itself already isolates you, but let's add an extra layer to it. Mm, it's it's like, it's, it's more like, uh, what's the, I can't think of the right word, but it's like, it just throws everything at you. And, you know, for people who haven't like, you know, here comes a pandemic, but also here comes a, a diagnosis. It's like so much to deal with. And it, it takes a lot of, I think, strength to really persevere. And I'm not saying that you're weak if you can't. It's so, so, so difficult. And I can't imagine like if I got my diagnosis and we went straight into lockdown, I would have lost my mind. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I got my diagnosis, it did not go well at all. And that was still going to work, still having, you know, some friends that I would talk to and hang out with on a regular basis. 
No, no. If if, if I would have just gotten diagnosed before the pandemic, it would probably would not have been a very great outcome. No, I can't imagine <laughs> it would have been for either of us. But yeah. you know, um, my journey to even knowing or having an official diagnosis was so long because I probably had fibromyalgia from a very young age but people had said oh I think this is what you might have and I kept hearing that and then with other problems like the the polycystic ovarian syndrome causing a lot of issues for me and then having Cushing's come up it was kind of almost on the back burner until um maybe six six or seven years ago where I finally got the proper diagnosis to say right you actually do have this and it's just it's almost crazy to think about that uh, what you might think is a simple diagnosis which you would get straight away it's like no this shit take i mean sorry this this kind of stuff takes years to happen and imagine how much longer it would be for some people because of the restrictions of a pandemic or a lockdown it's tough Yep, it's adding a uh, adding a lot of uh, extra steps and hurdles and frustrations for a lot of people. Yeah, and I think that it, this is kind of like the almost silent voice that needs to be heard more in um, in all this it, are those who suffer from from chronic conditions, disabilities. I it's, I just feel like we don't hear about it nearly as much as we should. And I think, you know, we may be some of the people who are really suffering the most and we're almost suffering in some kind of silence, which is even more difficult. Yeah, and I think that's one of the big things. And I know the, the pandemic had definitely pushed me to start doing the podcast because, mm. you know, you might, a lot of people that are stuck inside, they don't get that socializing that they would mm. normally do. But this in a way especially coming on and talking gives them an opportunity to, or gives them an opportunity to listen to, Hey, you know what? Yeah. I'm not the only person dealing with this. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's something that's really good because um, I, I find your show, like it's really unique to some other ones that kind of have similar things. And that's what I like that you just engage, like you're engaging with me now, just one-on-one -on -one, and we can just talk freely about these things. And you know, you have so many different um, guests on who talk about different things and it's just something you can just listen to, relate to, or learn about, um, you know, different things and conditions. Like, just because I have one doesn't mean I know about every other one. I don't know well, too no, much about what yours is and I'm sure you don't know too much about what mine is and I think that's what great is I can learn and you can learn and we can share, like, the knowledge. And that's why I think you're doing a really great thing with your show. <laughs> when it's, you know, the, my, my ultimate goal with it is, especially here in the U.S., is to bring all the small groups together to talk about that 70 yeah. to 80%. Yeah. That 70 to 80% that we can all relate to, that mm. we all can relate with, and that we can all build support around. Yeah. Because especially here in the U.S., bringing everybody together to kind of focus on and support each other for that 70 to 80 percent is how you change and focus on 
the healthcare system that is yeah in 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 our country really bad yeah really bad i mean crohn's and colitis falls under irritable bowel disease by the cdc's definition and oh right <clears throat> yep and the the out of pocket no. expense on average in the united states for somebody that has irritable bowel disease is between 8 and $13,000 with insurance that's ridiculous and that is we're only like the i think it's like the third most expensive chronic illness and that's that's out of pocket with mm. with insurance not uninsured with insurance 8 to $13,000 yeah. a year that's insane and i've averaged around the 8 personally that's insane i it's so hard for me to understand how people can support like a healthcare system like that. And, you know, for me, it was just normal that we went to the doctor. It's mostly covered by our Medicare. A lot of things are covered by it. If I need an x-ray or something, I'm covered. There's only certain things that might not be covered. And if I want extra, uh, you know, extra stuff to speed up hospital systems, not be in the public systems. I can get medical health insurance, um, which, you know, can help offset costs. But for me personally, I was paying the same amount anyway. So I'm like, what a waste of time. Um, but that was just my experience, whatever. Um, but it just boggles my mind. Like um, I've been over there to the US a couple of times and, um, I both times I got like health uh, travel health insurance because I was so terrified of something happening and I'm like how am I going to pay a hundred thousand dollar hospital bill if something bad happens to me while I'm over there yeah um yeah and I you know luckily I did because I ended up um I don't know how but I got a really bad case of strep throat where I had to go to the hospital to the ER which I was so scared <laughs> about doing over there I was like oh my god this is my worst nightmare the, the, the um, process is not scary it's the waiting for the the price tag at the end of it see it's... I was just so terrified <laughs> but um it was there was no one there I got seen to straight away um you know my insurance is going to cover it, whatever so it ended up being fine like i my throat was closing up i couldn't breathe i was like how am i this sick yeah and um you know they injected me with steroids and stuff they gave me antibiotics they're like take three of these one a day for three days here's some whatever vicodin i can't remember and i remember going to like the uh the, the pharmacy and they're like oh 97 dollars and i'm like the fuck is this sorry <laughs> I'll rephrase that. What the heck, gosh darn it, is that? Yep. Um, if I go to my pharmacy for antibiotics, I'm not getting three tablets. I'm probably getting 20 and I'm paying $5.30 because I have my special um, healthcare card, which the government says I need the extra help. So I pay less for my medications. <laughs> um i was so shocked i'm like how do people on minimum wage afford to get remotely sick in this country oh would, my one, goodness th that's on the cheap end like that that is a cheap prescription right. yeah right and i was just 
I was shocked. It was so eye-opening. I'm like, how in the, insert all the swear words, how yeah. can people live? This is horrendous. It made me feel like super massively privileged, like I was a really rich person, but I am not. I am, I am very lower class with, which is my condition is sadly put me that way but that's beside yep. the point like i can at least afford my antidepressants to help with all of my conditions and whatnot i can afford this and that i can i you know i have asthma i can buy my inhalers i just cannot like how yeah how and is that who wants that in place in in the past eight years, oh I've gosh. probably spent like forty five to fifty five thousand, and That's I still owe insane. a bunch that I'm paying off. That's insane. I can how this is how uh, I mean I could get into all different rants here, but this is how you keep the rich rich and the poor poor. Honestly, it's um it's a horrendous system. Yep. Like my goodness, how. Yep. Yep, I think so. I get I get Remicade every six weeks, and it's about eight thousand dollars a visit before insurance kicks in. Um, and from my understanding, the most expensive that I've heard in the U.S. for Remicade is about twenty five thousand dollars for an infusion. Um, from my understanding, it was at a hospital versus an actual doctor's office, but that's twenty five thousand dollars every every eight weeks. How is that remotely sustainable in any way? Yep. And then, like, you know, the, the people that do that, they hit their out-of-pocket cost on their insurance super fast, which mm. in the U.S. out-of-pocket cost is usually four to $8,000, depending mm. on your plan and depending on how much you pay for it. Mm. Um, and then there's occasional issues where medication like that, it, you have to have pre-approvals for, so you can be mm. fully covered like myself i was I've, I've been fully covered the entire time and i still had to pay for two complete infusions out of pocket which i'm still paying on that's insane how yep. how is this how is this a thing it makes me so angry like no. what in the world that's just how you would just suffer and die if you did not earn money Oh, I know. That's like, it's like, <laughs> I mean, that's what say, say 60 grand. If, you know, once I pay what I still owe mm. 65, that's two new cars. Mm. That's a third of a house in the area that I'm in. Like a, you know, a smaller two, two and a half, or two, three bedroom house. It's mm. a third of the cost of a house. For myself i'm and, a mechanic it's two to three car projects like yeah but just think like yep say twenty five thousand us that is give me two seconds to currency convert like in australia that would be all right so we're going with twenty five thousand and that, so yeah. australian dollars that's equivalent to thirty four thousand one hundred and eighty six dollars and forty cents. Mm -hmm. That is every eight weeks. Crazy. Which turns into one hundred and fifty thousand dollars before your insurance kicks in per year, and that's just for the base infusion. 
let alone the labs that you need to do to check your antibody mm. levels to make sure that you know mm. the infusions are still working, which they usually do once a year. Mm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, your insurance. So somebody that's insured is going to pay between four and eight thousand dollars for mm. the year for that. But that's what that, that one hundred fifty thousand dollars is what their insurance company gets paid for. And <clears throat> I've logged into my insurance. Like whenever I log into my insurance policy, it tells me total dollar worth of claims for the year, how much of a discount it's my policy's given me, so how much my insurance is covered, and then my yeah. out of pocket expense, and then I cap out it. I think my policy is like four grand a year, and then certain things aren't covered by it. So anything out of network, I don't. I don't mm. get covered and I have to pay for. Yeah. But yeah, I've had I've had years where I've done like colonoscopies and a bunch of tests and had have a lot of labs run or been acting up mm. where it's been like $150,000 before insurance kicked in. I just this just like your, blows your, my your pre-insurance mind. claims or yeah, I've had over like 100 grand. And when you log into that like just seeing that number is just like wow. That's insane like and there, there are people in the U.S., especially in the Crohn's and colitis group, because I've seen them occasionally mm. where they don't have insurance, so they don't get the medication. Mm. Yeah, no, they I just do. don't get treated. Yeah, no, I have seen uh, a few things because I do know, um, I do know some people that have Crohn's. Um, I don't know, maybe you might be, maybe well, I guess the first person or first I know of um, with colitis that I've known. Like I don't know too much about it um there was a a time where i was tested for like um crohn's because i was having like uh, yeah a lot of stuff just suddenly came up and was having colonoscopies gastroscopies all these things um they're essentially the same yeah thing which is why they get lumped together kind of similar but not quite similar it's ulcers in your digestive tract so ulcerative colitis is specifically your large intestine in in your colon Mm. and it is specifically contained within your large intestine in your colon that's ulcerative colitis right crohn's is the same ulcers however crohn's can be anywhere in your digestive tract they can be anywhere from your your mouth so you can have actual ulcers in your mouth all the way down to your your large intestine yeah so crohn's is generally considered to be the worst of the two because it can be anywhere in your digestive tract. However, depending on where you fall in the scale of each one, mm. like I have severe colitis. Severe colitis, when it's not under control, is worse than mild yeah. Crohn's. Yeah. yeah. Severe Crohn's and severe colitis, the severe Crohn's is probably worse. There's probably right. more restrictions. There's probably more pain because it yeah. covers such a large area of their digestive yeah. tract. Yeah. But they get lumped together under irritable bowel mm. disease because they're the same thing, kind of, just different mm. areas of your digestive tract. Yeah, yeah. See, after all these tests, they just pretty much confirmed I had irritable bowel, irritable bowel syndrome, and I'm like, yep. I really didn't need a test to know that. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's becoming more common where you have the symptoms, but yeah. they sporadically pop up. 
so yeah, since you can have an ulcer or something but it's just yeah. really random when it happens no my my ibs is <laughs> very consistent it has been a long time um oh, is it okay yeah it is one of the very well known i get not well known but one of the more um i guess popular uh symptoms of just about everything i've ever had um <laughs> but yeah no there, there was a time when they thought maybe that's what was wrong but i think i just had I don't, I don't even remember. I, d I don't remember half of the things anymore. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. When you go to so many different yeah. doctors and get so many different so yeah. information. Yeah. It's like, yeah, just add it to the that's, list. That's what it ended up being, really. So they're just like, okay, here's this confirmation of this. And I think I had, um, uh, I can't remember what the thing's called, but a, an esophageal hernia, which causes uh, a reflux and 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 all that stuff so that was that was what came of that and it's fairly well under under decent control now so yeah very very interesting i'm like uh yeah anything else i could have just throw it at me it's all good <laughs> yeah it's like what uh, else do we want to add to the list yeah it's like is there anything i haven't had yet uh, but uh, yeah just take it as it comes really um it's like playing bingo. Like they just keep calling out random numbers and you're like, oh, yeah. Well, that didn't like, help me win, but sure. You can have this today. So, oh, great. Cool. Guess we'll, guess we'll add that to the list. <laughs> Stamp that yeah. one off. Yeah. And um, like, I haven't been able to sort of work for a few years. So I kind of like, you know, just kind of, I guess, help my, my mental state and give me something really cool to do and kind of like take, I guess my interest to the next level was like 12 years ago when I started doing um, my podcast, which is, uh, I have several of them now, but they're all kind of film pop culture type of stuff related. And that's like my main big interest. And that was kind of like a good thing for me to um, have something else to focus on and put my energy into and, and writing like film reviews and stuff. And, it's been like this constant that I can kind of turn to even when my, you know, general health or well-being or whatever you want to say has been really, really bad. And I've noticed like the importance of just having, you know, even if I can't, you know, there are times where I can't actually work, but I have these things that are there to occupy my time. And I think it's just been especially, um, I guess more I'm more reliant on it now that we've had this whole, whole year and a half of basically staying at home needing to have that in um you know I I like doing my artwork and I'm a very creative person I like um you know I like building Legos I find it relaxing I like yeah. doing you know the mindfulness coloring all that kind of stuff and it's I've had to rely on you know, like the hobbies, the interests to kind of get me through. But then it's like I'm throwing myself in it. But then uh, here come the consequences where, uh, you know, I'm drawing all the time. It's like, oh, no, my hand doesn't want to work. My arm's in so much pain now. Oh, my legs just randomly hurt from whatever I did. Like fibro is the most unpredictably stupid thing. But um, without my interests, even if it causes a flare up, I think my mental health would have just tanked more than it ever has. And I, I feel like there, there's an importance with um, having your interests and that kind of being something you turn to when, you know, your health may not be at its best point. And I have no idea what my rant was 
on that. <laughs> no, you could. Well, I was just talking. It's about <laughs> mental health. Yeah, and I mean, I, we talk it's about a that all the time act. on the podcast, and mm. I bring it up a ton. Um, when you deal with a chronic illness, especially one that's reactive to stress, prioritizing mental health is super important. It really um, is. Crohn's and colitis are both, you know, bowel diseases, and your digestive mm. tract, even if you're a normal functional person is incredibly reactive to stress. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how things are over there, but I know the U.S. society, the way society is, mental health can be prioritized if it's your hobbies, if hobbies seem productive. Mm. That's how it's kind of portrayed. Like, you know, if you're going out yeah. and you're going for a walk in nature, that's okay. It's cool. But yeah, not everybody's mental health and, and you know activities look like that. I no, talk about it a lot. You know, I'm a big gamer. I do photography. Mm. Um, mm. I live by the beach, so I go down to the beach a lot, just kind of chilling. Oh, and nice. I'll just drive around and listen to music. Mm. Those are all some of the big things that I do to just kind of mm. chill and relax. Mm. They distract me from anything I'm focusing on. If I'm stressed out, mm. just kind of dealing with a lot, it just lets me reset, ground myself, and kind of refocus on what I need to be focusing on. Mm. Now those activities look different for everybody. Mm. You know, I'm also a, I'm a mechanic at heart, so working on the car mm. can be relaxing for me. As mm. stressful as it can be, yeah, it's in a way relaxing in itself. Yeah, but a lot of people need to realize, like prioritizing that that time to yourself to kind of just reset, relax, and ground yeah. yourself. It doesn't have to be going outside and going for a walk. Mm. It can be drawing coloring, mm. painting, writing, you know, listening to music, watching your favorite movie over again, TV yeah. series. Sometimes it's just sleeping, just chilling mm. and relaxing, mm. um, going down to the beach. It can be going outside. It can be something mm. like biking, sports, fitness, if, you know, your your condition doesn't restrict that. Mm. There's, there's so many things that you have to prioritize, not necessarily for what they are, like gaming, mm. Gaming doesn't sound productive, but for me, gaming after a long, stressful week or, yeah, exactly. you know, a lot of stuff, it just lets me yeah. focus on that. I'm focused on what I'm doing. You know, if I'm gaming with my friends, I'm focused 100% on that. Mm. And then when I'm done, I can come back to what else I need to tackle, whether it's stuff yeah. like podcasts, whether it's, you know, something, conversation I have with my doctor and new medication, mm. prioritizing that's super important. And I can never stress it enough because people with chronic illnesses deal with so much on a regular basis. Mm. You know, you're always worried about, hey, I need to physically be functional. Yeah. Based on your diagnosis that you, you kind of forget to take time to mentally reset as well. Yeah. I, for me, it's really important to have both the, the physical and, and mental, like, I guess, break and recharge and reset because you know fibro is so well known for just flaring up at the worst most random times and it can be anywhere from it's a flare-up of pain fatigue everything for like a week or it can be months and it can be a balancing act so you really need to balance those uh that self-care with those things with just everyday life stuff it, everything is this very delicate balancing act and it's like okay 
So if I do these things today, I might not be able to do these things tomorrow. You kind of have to prioritize like, do I get stuff done around the house or do I take my rest today? And it can be really hard. And especially when people don't quite understand that you have to like, I guess, put yourself on a kind of, um, you know, I have this many blocks to use today. And if I use them all up, I'm pretty much going to be useless for the rest of the day. So I have to spread it all out and not use all these things up. I think it was the best thing is like the, the spoon theory thing just helps yep. it make sense. And it, it is, it's like that. This is a very delicate balancing act and it, it can actually be just so draining to try and explain to people. It's like, well, you were fine yesterday. Yeah, I was not fine yesterday. You just saw me moving about yesterday and now I'm not. Understand this is how it works. It, it could be so infuriating, but um, I digress. We, we need to take these times and these things, no matter what they are, whether it is being outside or reading a book or, you know, listening to your cat purr for two hours, like, we need the self-care and that time. It's really important. And I think, I think even if you don't have necessarily as a, you know, a mental illness or a physical disability, if you're perfectly healthy in every way, you should still be taking time out for yourself because self-care is the most important care you can be doing. Mental health applies to everyone across the board. It's just the people that need to absolutely be doing it are all of us yeah. in, the, in the community. Um, we have to do it because there's so many extra levels of stress that are added to our life yeah. and things that we have to keep track of. Like, you got to take time for yourself. Mm. And if you don't, like, I find with a lot of different illnesses, if you're not taking the proper amount of time, either physically or mentally, your body's going to put you in check. Yeah, no. And your and body will force you to do it. Yeah, it and does. It absolutely does. Crohn's, Crohn's and colitis are very good. Like if you're not mentally taking care of yourself mm. and you're stressing, it will cause your yeah your illness to act up, and your illness will put you in check. Mm. If you're not physically taking care of yourself, colitis will yeah. put you back in check. Yeah, and it'll force you to take that time to take care of it. So that's that's one of the things. I mean, here in the U.S., you know, when it comes to mental health, when it comes to depression and suicide they have like the suicide hotline for if you get mm. to that point but they mm. don't emphasize on hey before you get to that extreme take the time that you need and focus on you there's none of that yeah. like hey before you get there here's some help so you don't get there to begin with yeah and um I i've noticed i guess they um i don't know if it's still happening but at least here like on mental health services hotlines um and whatnot like i think they funded it more which clearly it shows how underfunded or cared about it was before um but that's not the point um but you know you see it come up in the news that these services are being used more than ever as more people start to suffer and they're suffering things they haven't before and it's so frightening to think about like yeah i may have you know i don't remember a life without depression but how scary it is for someone who's not had to deal with this before and is in this whole new realm. It's like, and I think that's why we need to really normalize like the self-care aspect because when you are thrown in this deep end, 
you need the skills and if you don't have the skills it's so much more difficult and if we normalize this just self-care it doesn't matter how great you are how down you are like this is something you definitely need because that that's how we keep going that's how we look after ourselves and I, I think it's just not something that's even really talked about or you know it needs to be something talked about and normalized that it's not you know selfish for someone to take two hours out of their day for themselves for self-care well and the, the the problem at least over here is the stigma around it mm-hmm. and i mean i've said it before on the podcast and i'll say it again since 50 shades of gray you can talk about the kinky stuff and you do in the bedroom mm-hmm. and that's perfectly acceptable but god forbid you want to bring up mental health Mm. mental health it's is more still... taboo to talk about in the u.s than, yeah. than what you do in the bedroom yeah no it's, and that's a um, problem it's a massive problem and it's still this just highly stigmatized thing and it, it's always it's always annoyed me because i've always been very open and honest about anything that's wrong with me i i will talk about absolutely anything and it's like you know, people would try to shut me down. Like, all you do is talk about your health. Like, man, it's so annoying. And I'm like, A, this is my way of expressing myself, maybe letting people know a little bit about something they might not know at all. Maybe someone is going through the same thing as me and feels less alone by reading what I'm posting. It's like, who are you to say what I can and cannot share about this? Like, if you were more educated the on the stigma. subject, I wouldn't have to talk about it so much. Yeah. That's what it comes like, down to. Can we end the stigma? It's not me going for attention. Like, I can talk about my mental health. I can talk about my physical health. I can talk about whatever the blah, blah, blah I want. It's just, it's like, it's so shocking when someone does. It's like, no, this stuff is perfectly normal. And it's insane. It's taken a pandemic for people to realize, like, mental health is a serious thing. We can talk about it. There's nothing wrong with someone who's saying I have depression. Ugh. I'll get yeah. too angry if I keep going. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Well, it's, it's one of those things, especially in the in the chronic community. You know, I'm I've been in some of the Crohn's and colitis groups for a while now. Um, hmm. And it was about three years ago now. There was a there was a story going around, and a um, about this ten year old boy who had either Crohn's or colitis. I can't remember because they usually get yeah. lumped together. Mm. Um, and at the age of 10, he had had 26 surgeries done. My goodness. By the age yeah. of 10. And he ended up having a, you know, one of the bags put in. Yeah. Because um, they took out, took out a part of his intestines. And mm. because of how he was getting bullied at school, one day when his mom went to the supermarket, he hung himself at 10. At 10. At 10. After at going 10. through 26 surgeries. 26 to stay alive imagine that yeah like i couldn't even imagine going through something like that as an adult and then kids at school being so bad that you you just can't handle it anymore and that's that's the problem in the u.s and that's why we need to talk about mental health especially in the chronic community because it's it's to the point where it's affecting kids now a 10 year old who's gone through 26 surgeries and still still kicking shouldn't be shut down by the kids at school like that shouldn't be the determining factor yeah not not at all when you hear that it should be the 27th surgery didn't Mm. quite go how it wanted and it Mm. it wasn't it didn't turn out for the Mm. best not 
he hung himself because the kids at school were making fun of him yeah. for his pouch. Yeah, and and the and the sick thing is, it's like people's response to the bullying is like, well, why does why did they still go to school or why did they not shut down their social media? It's like, how's that the answer when the answer He's should 10. be like when the answer should be why are they picking on him so bad that he felt that was his only way out after having so many surgeries to get to that point of being able to live like no go to these kids that have done what they were doing and maybe educate them about all these things and why it's not okay to pick on someone for that like it just boggles my mind that there's just this massive victim blaming mentality for, for for this stuff it's like well no well how is it the kid's fault he was being picked on in the first place it's it's not and he you know could have felt that he couldn't talk about it to to anyone that he you know it's it's ridiculous that people don't feel safe to be like hey this is happening or you know i'm suffering mentally because of this it's ridiculous it should not be the case yeah and yeah, I, I don't think it's just in the US. I think it is definitely very much a worldwide thing where there is this massive stigma about it. And enough's enough, I say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and, you know, I'm slowly learning that the kind of nowhere in, in the world that I'm aware of does an incredible job when it comes to mental health and the stigma around it, which is kind of surprising because you would think with some of the you know the universal healthcare systems that a lot of countries mm. use there'd be a better system set up for it but there's not mm. Mm. um and i think what it comes down to is just talking about it at the end of the day just talking about it and sharing those experiences because everyone deals with it at some level at some point yeah you know they go through it they they deal with it they feel mm. you know different because of what they're dealing with yeah, yeah, no, 100%. A... And this is why I uh, I pretty much am someone who's like, no, I'm going to talk about it. I'm not going to hide the fact if I'm depressed. I'm not going to hide the fact if I'm in a lot of pain. Like, this is my life. Why <laughs> Why should oh. I be shielding you all from it? No, <clears throat> you don't shield me from your pretend fake lives. Well, have a dose of reality and <laughs> deal with it. When, and I talked about it in some of the early episodes. I've talked about it in a couple other too. Like the for me, the first three years was the worst. That's when the depression was the worst. That's when I was suicidal. Um, and for me, it was everything going on, not having a support system. Mm. Because, you know, everything was drastically changing. Social life yeah. was drastically changing because of the limitations of colitis and not being able to go out yeah. and do things like I normally would. Yeah. But on top of that, for me, it was the physical pain. Mm. The physical pain when my colitis was at its worst, yeah. worst for like two, it was like one to two months straight, the most pain mm. I've ever experienced. And, yeah. you know, going to sleep, well, attempting to go to sleep at night and sleeping two to three hours because of how bad it was. Like that was for me yeah. what I just wanted done. Yeah. And that was that was part of the kind of, design behind this podcast was creating a resource for mm. myself back then yeah because 
I needed the help, didn't have it. Mm. And here's what I would have been great for me to have when I was going through that. Yeah. And just to understand it. Yeah. And it's, you know, you probably may not ever know or find out like how um, your show has probably helped someone in some way. Um, they may not tell you, but it's probably happened many times. We, it's, you know, I know that there's certain things that have helped me and I've never reached out to say like, oh, wow, this helped me. Um, sometimes that's hard, but um, I would be sure that your podcast has helped people without you even realizing it. So I think it's a really great um, thing that you do. And it's a, it's a great, I guess, concept because you're not just limiting um, who you speak to. You speak to people all across the board with all different sorts of things that, you know, we're kind of united in a way that we kind of just get it, even if I don't have your condition and you don't have mine. We just get it. At the, at the end of the day, we all <laughs> wanted to be treated. We all want to be treated like people. Yeah. We want to pay less and have less medical expenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we want to feel less pain. Yeah. Physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah. Like we just want to be functional. And yeah. we don't want other people to question when we're not. Like it yeah. doesn't matter what condition you have what you've Mm. been diagnosed with Mm. at the end of the day even though what we're dealing with isn't ideal we just want it to be better yeah we want you know we want more information up front about medications we want people Mm. to treat us like normal people when it comes to Mm. work our social life and Mm. dating Mm. it's it's not like you know some secret recipe yeah we're trying to discover like we're not asking for the fountain of youth we're asking to be treated like people yeah we just want to be treated like a normal i don't like using the word normal but a normal person i just want to be treated like a person just treat me hey treat everyone else i'm not any really different yeah Mm. i might be whingy and achy and whatever but you know so so other people just for different reasons it's all good like if you're not dealing (laughs) with it now you're going to deal with it at some point in your life so just treat me like a person yeah, that's uh, what it comes down to, and I think I think as as we kind of get older, this is this is when we kind of start limiting how many people we let into our lives because there there are those people who will just suck it suck all the energy out, and then there'll be the others who try and give it back, and they're the ones that you realize they're not sucking everything out of you. It's it's a two way street, and they're the kinds of people you want to be around. Well, it's, I mean, that's something I learned a long time ago and I've cut up, I've cut a lot of people out of my life, including, including family members. Like Mm. I've cut half of my family out of my life because they are not the right kind of people. Mm. They're kind of, they bring that toxic level of energy into it. And it's just like, I've talked about it in the past. I've talked about it all the time. You have to cut toxic people out of your life and you have to set that Mm. standard for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It goes back to what I was talking about. Like, you know, at my lowest of lows, I've said every horrible thing I could possibly Mm. say to myself. Yeah. And I have a threshold. If anybody in my life comes even close to any of those things, if I hear it from them, Mm. They don't need to be in my life. Exactly. Doesn't matter if it's a family member. Doesn't matter if it's a significant other. 
you even come close mm. to what I've told myself in the past, you do not belong in this circle. Yeah. And that is incredibly important because when you have a chronic illness, when you have a disability, when you deal with mental health or even a terminal illness, mm. you control so much of what you're dealing with with you know, you, your mind at the end of the day. Yeah. And when you're in that negative headspace, it's just going to, it's, it's snowballs. And on mm. the flip side, when you're taking things, you're learning from it and you're turning it into a positive, it snowballs into something positive. Yeah. Um, I'm a very strong believer and I say it all the time. I refer to it as my three P's. Pain puts things into perspective and that perspective can give you a purpose. Mm. Now that same pain with a different attitude and a view, different viewpoint can lead you to a very different place. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, at the end of the day, you need to surround yourself with people that are positive and, mm. and reinforcing because those negative people are just going to drag you down with them, unfortunately. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't matter who and, it is. Like, yeah. And that's pretty much, you know, why I left uh, those support groups because it was so negative and yeah i've got like lots of uh you know lots of different people in my life now than than i used to because mm -hmm. i just i there's certain people certain types of people i just no i don't have time for you you clearly don't have time for me so go away yeah. um Pri i'm pretty blunt <laughs> I mean... i'm pretty blunt i think um i try to be nice blunt but sometimes i'm mean blunt um as just how I am, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's uh, I, I think overall the the last eighteen months may have taught me more about um, I guess a lot of things than maybe my whole life because it's just so eye opening. Um, especially in terms of my condition, it's like uh, almost taking things for granted. It's like, well, now I'm going to have months and months without any form of treatment. This is going to be fun. And uh, it's not. It's very, very challenging. And, uh, yeah, it's actually been very challenging as well uh, because the vaccine rollout in, in Australia has been terrible. Um I thought like, you know, when they said, oh, if you have uh, chronic health conditions, you're eligible. And then I'm looking at the fine print and I'm like, okay, this says this kind of thing, but then it says excludes fibromyalgia. And I'm like, why are you excluding fibromyalgia from getting the vaccine when COVID symptoms are almost identical to fibro symptoms in many ways? It was boggling my mind. I'm like, are you telling me someone who's at risk cannot get a vaccine? And then I, I spoke to my doctor who said, oh, you're eligible for asthma. I'm like, okay, then I'll take that. So second dose coming up this weekend. But yeah, my, my condition, which causes, you know, I'll, what are the list of like COVID symptoms? I get most of them like on a daily basis sometimes. Yeah. Um, I couldn't not get a vaccine. Same thing with colitis. A good chunk of it's like the COVID symptoms, like, yeah, it's colitis. Yeah, it's like less common symptoms, aches and pains. Yeah. 
Yep. T- most common symptom, tiredness. Yeah, every day. Yep. Uh, it's like diarrhea. Yeah, when you have IBS, you kind of get that a bit. Headache. Yep. Yeah, all the time. Dehydration or from skin, the diarrhea. Yeah, rash or skin discoloration. Yeah, that kind of happens. Um, I-, I have asthma, so I get difficulty breathing sometimes. I can get a loss of speech and movement because my brain doesn't function very well. Um, that's like. 80% of COVID symptoms and you're saying fibromyalgia not eligible for the vaccine at this present time. Like, really? It, 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 yeah. I've known, uh, you know, my Twitter is probably um, more of my safe space, which everyone just hates Twitter. I'm like, no, Twitter's great. Um, and I follow a lot of uh, disability advocates and um uh, you know, like uh, writers and creators all in that kind of um, disability space where everybody is has different things going on, but everyone has all these, you know, very positive things. They call out a lot of stuff, which I think is great. There just needs to be more of this stuff. And um, just seeing a lot of their horror stories about trying to get vaccinated when they really should be able to get it um, was just so upsetting. It's like, again, Kind of we're not being thought about yeah i'm kind of surprised like, we're ahead of you guys like I thought yeah you guys no were so seriously good. we're still in lockdown for god's sake wow we I'm, have I'm 30 not that one. we have a population of what 24 million we are at 34 percent fully double dose vaccinated in the country that's a joke and the fact that the, those that are most vaccinated at risk, like my second one was back april 1st yeah I'm, yeah, I'm, right? I'm at the point where I'm coming up for like a booster shot. You're getting, I'm thinking you guys in the US are getting booster shots. I'm still waiting for my second shot, which is this coming weekend. Damn. And how ridiculous it was for every kind of like different disabilities, just like not being eligible and people being at risk. And they, you know, you hear on the news like, oh, disability, this disability, that. I'm like, no, it's not. We're not getting anything and it's ridiculous and then i'm hearing about you know we there's a thing here which is called the the national disability insurance scheme which is very hard to get onto um it offers you all sorts of funding and support for your disability so um i know someone who's on it um they have very bad schizophrenia and um there was a lot of talk about like how uh, people within NDIS were not getting vaccinated. He somehow managed to get vaccinated very early, yet 94% of everyone else on NDIS wasn't. And I'm like, what are they doing? How come it's not 100% vaccinated or at least, you know, for everyone that can or, you know, in this industry that, you know, it's the second letter says disability come on it's been a joke and i guess i need to try about that <laughs> yep yeah um i mean my mom was vaccinated fully i think by may because of her age and diabetes and you know there are some people who are still waiting like another two months for an appointment it's ridiculous it's ridiculous and kind of surprises it, me that you guys are falling behind like the U.S. is doing a well, better job because, yeah. Well, usually that's unheard of when it comes to health. You know, uh, Pfizer over a year ago offered us seventy million doses, and our prime minister said no. He wanted to go with the cheaper a AstraZeneca option, 
and that didn't turn out so well because everyone's too scared to take it because of the the blood clotting issues and even then they could not roll it out at any kind of decent speed uh we pretty much have the worst like prime minister that i can remember for a long time and it is you know what you would consider a conservative government and they just don't care oh boy mm -hmm. oh. they just don't care but anyway that's my rant about that <laughs> that's interesting here interesting yeah here. I it, think it, that it's so different behind right? us yeah, I know. You, you. I was thinking, oh gosh, poor, poor America. They're, they're, they're never going to get vaccinated. <laughs> and here you are, like, we're getting booster shots, and it's like, I just want my vaccine. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're deciding when we want to get our boosters. Like, yeah, I'm eligible. It's like, eh, I don't want to go get it yet. I don't want to wait a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Like, it, because, like, um, you know, with my podcasting, like, much like with yours, you speak to people from like. You know, I'll speak to people in the US, Canada, the UK, da, 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 and everyone's just like, what? Wait, you're not vaccinated yet? I'm like, no. No. And then even when I went to get my vaccination, they're like, oh, where's the paperwork from your doctor? I'm like, um, my doctor didn't didn't provide me any because she said I didn't need it. And they're like, well, I don't think we can process you today. And I'm like, Oh, well, here's my asthma inhalers. Oh, okay. No, you can go. I'm like, wow. Okay. Great. This Damn. is top. Yeah, it, it's that. They insane. literally just yeah. have like convention centers yeah. around here, just like filled with people, and you can just go get in line. Yeah. It's, they're, uh, it's, they're having nuts. to tell people here, like, don't go get extra dosages just because you think you need it because it's so it's, easy to get it people are just lying that they haven't gotten it and going and getting extra doses yeah yeah it's like no it's not going to help you and it might cause problems don't get like three doses in a row yeah yeah like and then of course like much like it is over there there's the anti-vaccination movement there so many people were just making appointments to not show up to waste the dosage oh that's it's it's sickening it up. really sickening um i have no respect for anybody who's like against science and facts i just i can't deal with it anymore this year and a half no. has been like your tolerance for people was really high now it's non-existent and it's like if you don't believe in things that are actually actually factual go away i don't need to speak to you my whole my whole thing is like you know if you make the choice that you don't want to get it that's your choice but right to force somebody else to make a choice based off of what you feel is important like yeah no it's bugger off yeah as we'd say yeah i i, I i've said this to people i'm like it, it's your it's your choice if you want to get it or not but make an educated choice do not make your choice based on what um Lala McGee over there has posted on their Facebook, which they copied and pasted from some Google search that was probably on a conspiracy website. Like, get real facts. And don't give me this, oh, well, the government, I don't trust them. I'm like, are the government the scientists? No. Start there. Yeah. It's, it's really, really hard. It's like, 
you know what I, i'm fine i'm not saying you have to get a vaccination make your choice based on facts don't make it based on rubbish that is not true as with anything in life base it on facts not a made-up dream whatever an, an imaginary thing that's that's how i look at it um i'm not someone who's like no you need to do this you have to do this it's like no you you do whatever you want but base it on actual facts i just said that's right <laughs> yep. as my view is and um i do laugh a lot i do laugh awkwardly but i i am also in the belief that um laughing and laughter is amazing for um my, my my own mental health but i think everybody's mental health and even physical health in a way because it just it releases so much when you laugh and um i found that in lockdown um you know my close group of friends we will just make each other laugh um every day as as kind of our self self-help care um and now i'm just draining on again you're probably like why did i invite her to my podcast <laughs> Look, hey, when it comes to mental health and it comes to, I mean, health in general, it's important to talk about. And it's important to talk, I mean, and that, that's one of the things when it comes to COVID. It, it, and I think there's, there's an issue with that here in the U.S. Like at the end of the day, when you're debating the, the vaccine, you know, if you have a health condition, talk to your doctor about it. Exactly. If you have concerns, talk to your doctor about it. Make the decision with your doctor. Mm. Yeah, um, don't, don't base it on uh the facebook user number 2035 who has no profile picture who just posts copy and pasted stuff like oh. you know i i for me i i've always had vaccinations i have no problems with vaccinations i understand to the best of my ability how they work what the different types are so i had i you know went and saw my doctor and i absolutely love my uh, my doctor i've had her for the last few years she's just been one of the only doctors that I've had who doesn't put me under extra scrutiny um, for my conditions. When I say, hey, this is what's going on, she's, she's on the ball. She listens to what I say. So I said, look, I really want to get the vaccine. What's my eligibility now? And would I be better off having Pfizer over AstraZeneca? And that was it. She's like, no, you your condition, I, I would give you, I would say Pfizer, um, that's more suited to you. She's like, um, with the way your asthma is right now, that would make you eligible. And that was it. That was the conversation. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't deny me anything, my doctor. If, if she's like, you know, when I rang up, you know, earlier in the year and I said, look, am I eligible yet? She said, probably not yet. But, you know, you'll start to notice the signs and see what, um, we have an offer at the clinic and you can just make the, you know, come and talk to me in a month or something to find out more. Like, it's just like that. And I feel so ultra lucky to have a doctor who just treats me like a person and listens to me. And it, it can be so hard. And to those who have not found the right doctor um, and, and are unsure, do you, do you really just, it's, it, it can be luck of the draw in a way, but when you find that person, stick with them um it's probably been one of the best decisions i've made is to just stick with that gp because she's been amazing and uh yeah our doctors are gps here i don't know yep. if they are everywhere else i don't i don't remember um 
Yeah, there's there's some general practitioners here. General practitioner, yeah. We just call him the GP, yeah. The doctor, but yeah. Primary um, care. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm rambling on again. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> hey. But I, I think I think I've gotten off my chest everything <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> and um I hope your audience um has has enjoyed listening to the conversation and um getting a kind of half angry um reaction out of me with hey, a, <laughs> all, a lot of things. Passionate. Some we're passionate <laughs> about certain causes. Yeah, sorry, I'm passionate about very passionate um, about certain things. That's that's how I, no, I'm very so passionate. I clear, yeah. Classify it. <laughs> well, yeah, I appreciate passionate. you coming on. No, thank you so much. It was really nice to talk to you, get to meet you, and um, I guess for me to learn about um, what you go through as well. Um, yep. You know, as as I was thinking, I actually think maybe my grandmother may have had colitis. It is hereditary. I'm trying to think, yeah, and I so. think, yeah, and I think that could have led to them maybe suspecting I could have had that or or Crohn's when I was having really bad issues. Um, but there you go. Like it kind of jogged my memory, like, ah, cause I'm like, I know of it. Do I know anyone that had it? No, now, now I remember. Yes, I did. <laughs> Goodness me. Yep. Yeah. My, my, my brain isn't the, uh, doesn't work the best. It's like <sighs> the fibrous cognitive issues. I, I'm pretty sure is pretty much like ADHD. <laughs> that's that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, <laughs> just lumped in with everything else. Like, yeah, well, yeah I'm like, I wouldn't doubt I have that anyway, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of go all over the place. But um no, thank you so much. It was an absolute oh, pleasure. And um I look forward to on. yeah, look forward to listening to more uh episodes of your show as well. Thank you. And I'll be sure to tell everybody to listen. Thank you guys for stopping by and listening to the podcast. I appreciate everyone. Make sure you guys stop and check out chronicliving.info. Got a new website up and running that's going to be the main area to find all the social media content as well as accounts. So make sure you guys stop by if anyone's looking to share their story, volunteer, either time or experience. There's also going to be some links on there of how you guys can get involved. As always, I appreciate you guys and I'll see you in the next one.